0: A popular sentiment during these strange times, also known as the COVID-19 pandemic, is searching to find or return to a new normal. Perhaps the only sure way to view how coronavirus will affect our way of life is that it will be forever changed. Our ability to come out as resilient will be determined by how we accept and adjust to these ongoing changes. Xylem's Solving Water podcast continues to explore how people, industries, and businesses are evolving alongside these changes including how Xylem is solving for challenges that are constantly shifting. This episode of Through the Water Cycle is no exception. We'll be speaking with Anthony Williams, Site Director for Xylem's Freedom Facility in Pennsylvania, about how he's innovated a new way of factory acceptance testing in light of social distancing requirements. Good morning! I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, and we're happy to welcome Anthony Williams, Engineering Manager and Site Leader for Xylem's facility in Freedom, Pennsylvania, to today's episode of Through the Water Cycle on Xylem's Solving Water podcast. Anthony is going to go over factory acceptance testing, what it is, why it's so critical in today's water utility industry, and how he's helping Xylem solve for the issues created as a result of COVID-19. Anthony, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So maybe we could just start. You can tell us a little bit about what you do for Xylem specifically and how you came into this role.
1: Sure. I am the engineering manager, as you stated earlier. And uh, I oversee basically the, um, the operations and the execution for our North America Ozone team. We became a part of Xylem via acquisition back in September of 2017 and we basically gave the company a, uh, a US base for operations that was parallel to their uh, Germany operations group for the uh, ozone and uh, disinfection group uh, and applications.
0: Okay, so can you give us a little more information about what products you produce at this facility?
1: Sure, so our, our facility is basically a new facility Um, The building that we occupy was built in 2014. Uh, We were part of the Mitsubishi group at that time, and uh, we basically did the same thing under Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi's Ozone Systems Division was sort of a competitive uh, arm against Xylem's division. Uh, Mitsubishi had made some decisions that resulted in in, uh, us kind of being sold to Xylem, Um, and so What we do, we do the engineering and the execution, electrical design, mechanical design. Uh, We do uh, oversee fabrication from the local fabricators. Uh, We do procurement, quality assurance, and we actually do our factory uh, testing and acceptance testing for all the equipment uh, prior to shipping to the customer site. Our main customers are water utilities for either cities or municipalities. And with the um, the world's growing water challenge, uh, I think we play pretty much an integral role in in helping to uh, navigate those waters. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs>
0: that's that's a that's awesome background for us. And you mentioned when um, you were talking about some of the things that you do in the facility. One of the things you mentioned was factory acceptance testing and wondering if you could just go over what that is and why it's so critical in the industry.
1: Right. So the equipment that um, we provide to the industry uh, for water treatment and disinfection can, can cost millions of dollars. And so because of the cost of this equipment and the complexity of it, there's a lot of uh, things that go into it functionality wise. And so it's very important to have those items kind of hashed out and work through in the shop before it gets to the field. So that once it gets to the field and you're sort of kind of hands off, you have uh, electrical and mechanical contractors working on your equipment to complete the final terminations of wiring or controls or power. Um, So we wanna make sure that before it gets to that point that it works in our shop. And so the factory acceptance test is two phases. The first phase is that we, we put everything together and test it ourselves to make sure that we're comfortable with the parameters under which it operates. And then the second phase is to demonstrate to the customer that the equipment actually works in accordance with their requirements and, and will do what they expect it to do.
0: So how is this factory acceptance testing typically done prior to, I mean, prior to this pandemic, pre-pandemic?
1: Okay, so pre-pandemic, the testing would consist of first us having all the equipment brought into the facility from our local fabricators. We we actually terminate wires in our facility. We do our IO checks in our facility. We deliver power and cycle valves open and closed um, and just do, do an all-around system functional check of the mechanics, the, electro- the electricals and programming, these these, um, systems are customized. Um, That is to say that they're really engineered to order. There's there's a base operation that uh, the equipment goes through. However, um, every site is different and and because uh, they have a way that the equipment interacts or intertwines with their existing systems, we have to take into consideration Programming from a third party or site uh, programming and and how our system, which is just a part of an of a larger treatment system, how our system fits into that scheme. And then based on that we work with a lot of the site personnel to generate graphics or messages um, that that allow them to take it everything to one big control room uh, via SCADA. Uh, and, then, and then they have control of the entire plant and all the equipment that make up the water treatment system.
0: Wow, so really complex. And you're, you're actually bringing, part of this process is you're bringing um, not only our, our own people, our employees, but also you're bringing the customer in directly to witness this. Is that, is that correct? Correct.
1: Correct. So once we go through our, uh, our own internal um, acceptance testing um, the, the pre-COVID pandemic protocol was that the, cons- the consulting engineer and the end user would actually come to the facility. Um, the testing would last somewhere between three to five days. Um, and so basically they would sit in our shop and watch us operate the equipment at the um, points that they had designated for the, uh, for the process. And so we run through all that and we, we would also provide some, you know, information on just general operation of the equipment. Uh, you develop a rapport with with the customer, you you develop a, rec- a rapport with the end user or their representative. And then that kind of help facilitate the relationship when everything ships to the site and we are going through the installation and commissioning phase. So that was, Pre-COVID, well, we were just in the middle of about to uh, do an FAT prior to the COVID back in early February of this year, and um, one large project that we have for the city of Toledo, Ohio, um, it, it's it's like a 250 million dollar project, um, and and we are supplying equipment from multiple Zylon facilities to that site. Um, okay, that. That project was affected by COVID um, as we all were Uh, at that back in that time, we really kind of didn't know what was going on or the impact of it. So, you know, we just didn't really have any firm idea as to how things were going to roll out. But um, Because of the importance of this project, it was deemed essential um, by the by the government and they had an have an EPA mandate of having to have equipment installed and running by a certain time. And therefore, we had to come up with some plan to kind of address what would normally be a routine uh, factory test for us. Um, And so there's some discussions took place with the customer uh, and the end user in the city to try to figure out how can we get around this or how can we facilitate this process. and it just so happened that, I want to say, a month, a month before that, we started to move from WebEx to the Zoom platform.
0: Okay. And so,
1: we had, we had some experience using Zoom internally, um, but we never thought about using it externally. Uh, and so, somebody made the suggestion, hey, is it possible, or do you think it would be acceptable that we could probably try to do this virtually? Um, and you know, because of the importance of the project, everybody kind of bought off on it. I don't think that there was a long review or consideration process because they knew that it had to be done in order for the equipment to be accepted uh, and their confidence level to be established in what we were providing. So um, what we ended up doing was we ended up trialing before the scheduled virtual tour. Um, You know, because we were going to be in a shop. Some of your signals might not be strong out there wireless might not be strong. So we ran through a series of tests where we would call in. Um, One of my technicians took his phone and um, would connect and and we would walk around the shop and turn the camera views back and forth, just to make sure we had decent visibility. Um, and, And that was basically it. I mean, we ran the equipment. Uh, we did it over the phone via Zoom. Um, what's interesting is that the customer ended up inviting way more people to to visualize the Zoom meeting than would have come to our facility for the test. So the city was on the call, the, cu- the, the end user's rep was on the call, the consultant was on the call, the operator was on the call. Uh, there was just tons of people on the call that we didn't expect, and that afforded them the opportunity to actually witness the size of the equipment, the the um, the components uh, included on the design. Uh, my, our tech did a very good job of walking through the process. Um, this was sub- originally supposed to take, I believe, five days. Uh, the first day, we established that it would be a... Um, Hour-long calls. Uh, so everybody would join at like 9 o'clock. You'd be on a call from 9 to 10. Uh, you'd have a break from 10 to 11. you join a call from 10 to, from 11 to 12, you know, to resume a different a different test point. Um, and then after the first day, they had such confidence in the process and, and such comfortability that they decided that they didn't need to participate on the rest of the test, and they trusted us to continue the test on our own, and just to provide the backup information um, that resulted from the testing. So I know that was kind of a long-winded answer. No, I mean, that is,
0: I mean, that's why we're here. This is, I mean, this is exact. And so this process kind of stemmed out of the fact that you you couldn't bring people into the facility. I mean, even though- Correct. The project was considered essential and Xyle employees were considered essential we couldn't actually bring the customer in. So this was our, our workaround for that.
1: Correct. The, the, you know, at that time, we didn't really know a whole lot about uh, COVID. All we knew is that the number of cases of infections that was being reported was increasing daily and people established, authorities established pretty quickly that, you know, people's safety was paramount at the time. And it had been determined that you know, uh, gatherings were, were be, uh, you know, would be uh, risky. And so we should try to avoid that as much as possible. Weighing that against the importance of, of uh, essential projects uh, had to be considered. And so some workaround had to happen um, in order to move forward and, and be compliant with the EPA mandates. Uh, otherwise, they would be fined significantly, and then that would kind of roll downhill right yeah um, and so so some cooperation and and uh, efforts had to be made in order to try to come up with some different planning and some different solutions and you know the the interesting thing is where something like this might have normally been resisted because of the environment and the the intensity of the situation, the safety uh, protocols that needed to occur, you know, airlines restricting travel, just everything in consideration of what was going on, um, there was way more acceptance of the idea than we probably would have anticipated were we not in a pre-COVID situation. (laughs)
0: To hear more discussions about challenges and trends in today's water industry, tune in to our other shows on Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, including In the Field with Goulds Water Technology about issues impacting the residential and agricultural markets, Through the Water Cycle, a series reviewing every aspect of the water utilities segment, from treatment to monitoring and reuse, and the Bell & Gossip podcast focused on HVAC and plumbing systems for commercial building services. Stream, download, and subscribe for these episodes and more. Just a couple questions for you about um, factory acceptance testing in general. So I guess when we're looking at the virtual component of it, what was maybe the most difficult aspect to address in terms of doing it virtually versus on site
1: so when you're on site uh, there's a there's a lot of distractions there's uh, people who are meandering around they're you know they're looking at your facility there's other equipment on the floor, so they might not just be looking at the equipment that is for their particular project they might be looking at something else that's not completely assembled you know or or there's um, Pathways that you need to avoid because you have live electrical equipment. So you know we want to be safe, and we only allow certain people in certain areas. You know, so that's that's always a challenge. The virtual component was able to facilitate from a safety standpoint, not just from COVID, but not having a bunch of gatherings in an area where you have live uh, feeds of electrical to equipment, right? And so uh, that basically facilitated our own implementation of safety rules and policies and, and restrictions as far as attendance and who, who could be where and when. Um, so that kind of resulted in that without even thinking about it.
0: It's like an added benefit. It's almost the yes. reverse of you know it being more difficult. Seems like it was almost <laughs> easier um, logistically, and to your point, safer. Uh, to do it this way?
1: I think it was the technology, you know, really kind of facilitated all this. Five years ago, we couldn't have done this, right? And 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 the whole implementation of cell phones uh, uh, being sort of kind of mini computers now with, with very fast processing power and now video power. Uh, forget just taking pictures and selfies. It has the capability of generating video that comes through clearly. And, you know, it's just really phenomenal to be at the beginning of this and with so much potential on the horizon for what this can be. You know, I suspect things have changed. I mean, this this is gonna be a permanent part of our workarounds now. Uh, society is changing, right? I don't know that the world will be the same uh, post-COVID, right? So we're, we're gonna be in some kind of discussions and talks to to deal with this for probably years to come. And so companies have to determine the best way to kind of put themselves in positions to remain competitive and and to remain capable of satisfying the customer requirements. And and I think that this opens the door to us being able to do that more efficiently, more cost effectively, uh, more safely. Uh, There's going to be a lot of benefits to this that we're just starting to look at right now. Have you changed how you are presenting the information from starting just kind of walking around with cell phone video? Have you changed that at all? Like made adjustments since you started doing it that way? Okay, so I, I've given a lot of thought of to thought to this, and I know we've had some internal discussions, and and you know we see this as being a path forward for the future, and as a result of that, um, I'm looking at. Other modes of technology. I'm looking at um, maybe, you know, a surface tablet. I'm looking at um, um, uh, Ring lights in the background uh, a computer stands so that the, so that instead of doing it on the phone, we can do it on a computer and have a wider angle and the tech does not have to hold the phone, you know, now to walk around the equipment. We can just have a <clears throat> a, uh, a stand that has some kind of um, um, uh, vibration absorbing capability mm-hmm. so that the video remains smooth when you're actually moving the, the card around. Uh, there's a lot of things going on right now um, and we've, we've just touched base with a customer another customer this week that is located in California and they've informed us that they too would like to go through a virtual factory test which will be sometime next month at the end of next month. So we're, we will be implementing some new things um, and hopefully that'll improve the process and help us build upon the capabilities of being able to do this um, more professionally, uh, you know, more frequently, and, and with a higher degree of access.
0: Yeah, you're, I mean, you're ahead of me on all the questions that I was going to ask. I was going to ask, so you did this with um, the city of Toledo earlier this year. Have you done any other virtual um, FATs yet this year? It sounds like you're going to be doing one for a, a municipality in California, but um, any others that have, that have happened since?
1: No, I've uh, heard from some of our colleagues around the company uh, based on our last CEO call uh, where this was yeah. first mentioned. And, and a lot of them are interested and some of them are actually uh, implementing their own, um, you know, standard operating practices for, for such a thing. So we are uh, connecting and we're going to share information and we're going to uh, think about how to make this a, a xylem platform for building and continuing to build relationships outside the company as well as inside the company because, as you know, we we have internal customers as well. For example, we purchase a product from Germany that are, are incorporated into our overall equipment scheme. So, you know, this opens the door to us doing internal virtual FATS or witnessing, you know, functional testing of equipment internally, and then translate that to an external with an external customer. So there's there's a lot of opportunity and potential here, and um, you know, I think we I think we are at the base of something really strong.
0: So just for my curiosity, when you go through the FAT process. You said it's three to five days. Like, how do you know when you're when it's good to go? Is there some sort of indicator that would say, okay, this has passed to FET and now it's ready to be implemented?
1: Okay, so each project has a set of operating parameters that have been predetermined in order for the water uh, that's being treated to be considered treated. And so, some consultant has been, you know, hired by a municipality or some water authority to basically design a system that is capable of treating all the contaminants that they anticipate being in the water. And they look at, you know, 10, 15, 20-year design uh, life based on studies of um, the process. And so, these parameters get passed down to the equipment suppliers or the designers, like Asylum, and we look at that to see what models of equipment we need to supply in order to meet that particular requirement. And so, once that's been determined, the equipment is fabricated, and we test to those parameters. So there's certain parameters that are needed in order to treat the water. And we run the equipment to ensure that the equipment can reach those parameters. and then if, if they are satisfied, then it's understood that once it's put in a real you know in a real application, that it should also meet those same parameters.:
0: Is it pretty common for the test to just run real smoothly for those that period of time, or are there other instances where you have to... Actually take the equipment, stop the test, take the equipment, make some adjustments, and then do a whole nother test.
1: Um, Yeah, so nothing's ever perfect. And you might have some components fail during during a testing. You might have a faulty valve or a faulty instrument, um, a temperature gauge that's not transmitting properly, a pressure gauge or transmitter that's not giving correct readings. So, so the pre FAT, I will call it, is, which is when we do our setup, is really to vet all those things. We want to dial into the parameters of the equipment and make sure that we have adequate visibility and access to all the components. We want to make sure that the programming is clean. Uh, I mentioned earlier that each site requires a specific design. So our programming is custom to that site. Um, That that pre-FAT gives us an opportunity to simulate what is actually going to be the real-world environment. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we get as close to uh, what the system would really be, the conditions under which the system will really be operating under in our pre-FAT and FAT conditions. So... um, you know, we, we have a pretty high success rate since we've been part of Xylem working with our customers on the FATs. But again, you know, nothing's ever perfect. You know, as long as we have spares on site, as long as we have people who can adequately and um, readily diagnose the problem, there's workarounds, you know, and benefits to the system being tested in-house because, you know, we have all the equipment here, we can, we can jump for something. Uh, electrically, we can bypass something mechanically, we can modify a program uh, pretty quickly if if it needs to be, and that's the whole reason for having a factory acceptance test.
0: Just shifting gears a little bit, I, you know, I don't wanna dwell too much on the pandemic, but it's interesting because I, I've heard that that some projects have stalled because of the pandemic, right? So there would be often these water utility projects that are set up to go, and now you know we have lack of staff that can be on site because of social distancing requirements and all these different elements. And so um, have you seen any impact to the number of projects kind of coming down the pipeline for you that, that you would do this uh, factory acceptance testing for based on the, the pandemic?
1: Um I w- I would say that the pandemic took took the world by storm. So pretty much many cities and states across the country were in a um in a hold pattern. They they didn't know what was going to result or what timeline would be uh affected by the by the uh, pandemic. And so there's been a lot of things that has been put on hold project-wise and that You know, the economy is is in in a bit of a situation as a result of it. Uh, At the same time, for for projects that have been deemed um, necessary, for projects that have been budgeted for, we find that there's still a lot of activity going on in the industry and moving along with those projects. Where the significance of the impact has come from is that where things were on hold for three months, you know, March, April, May. When things started to come back online, that created a lot of chaos because now people wanted to maintain the position that they were in before things that started coming back online came back online at the same time, and it created a resource and schedule problem. And so we, you know, we're struggling right now just to kind of manage pleasing everybody at the same time. It's, it's just, it's just not doable and so we have to kind of prioritize and, and really be flexible and move from project to project because even though everybody wasn't at the same place when when the pandemic hit, coming out of the pandemic, people have seemed to be moved at the same phase of, of their projects. And, um, you know, the demand for resources and attention has increased as a result of that. And so, you know, there's a lot of divisions uh, that are struggling to meet that demand just because you you can't, you know, you can't plan for something like that.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking while you were speaking that the water quality is so absolutely critical, especially in the pandemic, right? So if, if the, I mean, is it the trend shifting more toward needing these wet ecosystems? Um, for these municipalities in order to ensure that quality, um, especially since that, that, you know, hand washing is just such a big deal nowadays and, um, well, as it should have always been, but, um, yeah. but just making sure that people have that access.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, there was a lot of talk and a lot of, um, you know, exploration around water over the last 15 to 20 years. 're not We're not getting any more water, right We have the water right now that we're gonna get, and we have to be very creative in the ways that we treat water i think you know I think xylem is is very well positioned to be a leader in that particular field i mean i I've pretty much been in the water industry for most of my adult career at different companies, and so um, I've I've had a lot of exposure to just water treatment in general, and I think that in the 90s that it was just really being looked at as an opportunity for positioning of companies to be able to treat water and be the world's you know go-to for for expanding the capabilities of treating water. And you know, I've been fortunate enough to be able to be in different segments of the, of this kind of industry, and so. I've gained a sizable amount of exposure and experience uh, in that field, but I think Xylem is uniquely positioned right now to, to do that on multiple levels, all the way from uh, wastewater to drinking water, right? And so one of the interesting things that you think about is people are living longer now due to, um, you know, drugs really. Uh, complicated drugs. And so, you know, there's a big thing about you can't pour drugs in the water, but because people are living longer, water streams are becoming more difficult to treat because, you know, you either uh, excrete, you know, these drugs, and then they go into your water stream. And then there's challenges on how to treat these different chemicals now that are being uh, increased more because the population is living longer. And so that that's something that you know, ozone, which is, which is what we produce, is, is very, very uniquely positioned to treat. You know, that's a strong disinfectant, and it's one of the strongest disinfectants in the world. And so between that and, and our advanced oxidation process, the two of those processes together can solve a lot of the world's issues with respect to uh, treating water. On, on all different spectrums.
0: Well Anthony, this has been a really interesting and informative discussion. I really appreciate you taking the time out to to join us today and congratulations on innovating such a successful process for Resylon but it sounds like potentially for the industry as a whole. And so, you know, if there's anything that that we didn't touch on that you want to say prior to to closing up, I think um, I think we're good to go.
1: Okay. No, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to be able to share a little bit about what we do and the impact of it and uh, just bring some attention to the process. You know, uh, I think we have a great company. I think we are in a position to do some great things. I think we got some great leadership. You know, I, I enjoy this field and I, and I think we all do what we do, not just because we have a job, but we really like that we're bringing some value to the world and being able to help solve some of the world's challenges with respect to treating water. So, so thank you guys for uh, the opportunity to be able to share some of that information. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah, Thanks, Anthony. Good luck navigating what's ahead.
0: The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe.